Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with an update on what's happening in Tennessee, then move on to Christians going after abortion again, and follow all of that up with Republicans in the find-out phase. <laughs> Let's begin, shall we? We've got an update to the shenanigans going on down there in Tennessee, and I think you're going to like it. Justin Jones, who has been reinstated to the state legislature in Tennessee, the Nashville Metro Council has voted to reinstate him, representing the metropolitan Nashville area. County commissioners have just voted to reinstate Justin Pearson to send him back to the state house. In minutes of that meeting beginning, they had passed uh, and made the decision to reinstate Justin Pearson in his house seat. And there you have it, folks. The old Mr. Wilsons running the Tennessee State House tried very hard to segregate their legislative body, but the people of the state have spoken. Jones and Pearson can have their seats back, and the whites representing the Republican Klan are just going to have to deal with it. Funny thing about that. The snowflakes, I mean the Republicans at the Tennessee State House, seem to be extremely upset about being called racist after doing something racist would do when they voted to expel Jones, Pearson, and Gloria Johnson. See, these racists thought that Johnson being expelled along with Jones and Pearson would be just enough cover to make their racist actions look less racist. But remember, kiddies, the Tennessee Three broke house decorum rules, which means that carries a penalty of censure, not expulsion. So when Speaker Cameron Sexton and his bigoted band of Klan sympathizers decided to bypass their own rules and skip right to the expulsion part, they knew they had to sacrifice Johnson, one of only two women in their legislature, for the greater supremacy. But things didn't go according to plan because one of their own broke ranks voting for Johnson, and that meant that the Tennessee Republicans, well, they lost their shit. Luckily, someone recorded their caudacity, and I'm going to play for you right now. You should have went to the speaker and said, I'm changing my vote. And if it posted at 65, somebody would have taken you behind the dais and explained to you why this is important. But it would have given us the opportunity to not throw the rest of us under the bus. I've been called a racist, a misogynist, a white supremacist more in the last two months of my life than I had my entire life. And by golly, I'm biting my tongue. The left wants Tennessee so bad because if they get us, the Southeast folks, and it's game over for the Republicans. This is not a neighborhood social gathering. We are fighting for the republic of our country right now, and the world is staring at us. Are we going to stand our ground? <laughs> and they would have gotten away with it if it weren't for one of their own having a momentary lapse of morality. But now their expulsion of Jones and Pearson just looks like what it was. Racism. But folks, there is more to this story. Tennessee House Speaker and leader of the Legion of Segregationists, Cameron Sexton, has a bit of a fraud problem. See, it appears that Sexton doesn't live in the district he represents, which happens to be a condition of his job. 
And while he's breaking the rules, he's charging Tennessee taxpayers for travel back and forth between his out-of-district home, the home he rents but doesn't live in, and the Tennessee state capitol. For reference, he's charged taxpayers over $14,000 in 2023 for travel expenses so far. And just in case you're wondering, that makes Sexton a grifting douchebag. Not only that, but the residence of his representative district is a homey hookup rental, which means Sexton gets to pocket $3,500 he would have paid in rent on top of the increase he got to $45 in per diem lunch vouchers. So there's even more money Tennesseans are shelling out for a dude whose net worth is right now an upwards of $5 million. And while we're on the subject of what's wrong with America today, I would like to present to you Missouri. Recently, Republican Baptist Bible College graduate and pedophile sympathizer Mike Moon defended child marriage to his Democratic colleagues during a committee hearing. Roll tape. I've heard you talk about parents' rights to raise their kids how they want. In fact, I just double-checked. You voted no on making it illegal for kids to be married to adults at the age of 12 if their parents consented to it. You said, actually, that should be the law because it's the parents' right and the kids' right to decide what's best for them, to be raped by an adult. Okay? Do you know any kids who have been With married marriage. at age 12? That was any, the law. You, know you voted kids? not to change it. Do you know any kids who have been married at age 12? I, I, I don't need to. I do. Uh, and guess what? They're still married. Um, okay. Uh, as a side note, Mikey voted for a bill that would make it illegal for trans youth to get gender-affirming care, under the guise, of course, that it is to protect the children. But once the child is 16, they can go ahead and get married and even have that baby, because abortion is illegal in Missouri. I would also like to point out that in the United States, 300,000 children under the age of 18 were married between 2000 and 2018, with the average age of the man marrying the minor, which was usually a girl, of four years their junior. So far, only four states in our union have completely banned child marriage, and guess what? Missouri ain't one of them. In fact, thanks to the pedo advocates like Mikey, 8,007 children were married to older men in Missouri as of 2018. Way to go, protecting all of those children by making child rape legal and then forcing the children to have children should they get pregnant because we all know it's about preserving the workforce. Or at least that's according to Nebraska Senator and former funeral chasing realtor Steve Erdman who said this out loud and in front of a microphone just to make sure that everyone heard him. We have killed... 2,000 babies since abortion became legal. Those are 2,000 people in the state of Nebraska that could be working and filling some of those positions and we have vacancies. They're not here. Our state population has not grown except by those foreigners who have moved here or refugees who have been placed here. Why is that? It's because we've killed 200,000 people. These are people we've killed. 
So first off, I don't think state Republicans or Republicans in general should be doing coke while on the Senate floor making stupid comments or any comments. That should at least be a violation of decorum rules. And secondly, did Mikey just admit that Republicans want to ban abortion in states and nationwide because they want to make sure they've got enough slave labor to keep corporate executives and donors in million dollar bonuses? Wow. If that ain't the quiet part out loud. Oh, and not for nothing, but Erdman has three grandchildren. I'm sure he's getting ready to match up with his biggest donors as soon as they're old enough. So there's that. But that's not all, folks, because while Iowa doesn't allow for child marriage, the attorney general and former hall monitor Brenna Byrd is formerly halting a 44-year program that picked up the cost of forensic examinations and or medications associated with reporting sexual assault to the police. That's because part of an investigation means the victim has to be subjected to medical exams designed to collect DNA that might have been left by the assailant. Plan B was part of that deal because if the victim didn't want to have their rapist child, they had a choice, but not anymore, says Brenna. And just like that, Nebraska Christian conservatives have found just another way to fuck over women. Meanwhile, a federal judge in Texas, with no medical training whatsoever, decided that a drug used for over two decades isn't safe anymore, and it must be banned nationwide. Can you guess what that drug does? A, a federal judge in Texas, Judge Kaczmarek, has ruled that the Federal Drug Ad, uh, Food and Drug Administration's approval of an abortion medication drug, an approval that dated back to 2000, was flawed. He has essentially said that the FDA approval should be rolled back. This decision, a partial victory for a group of anti-abortion advocates and doctors that had asked a federal judge to block access to the drug most widely used to induce abortions. And it's all because of you, Christians. It wasn't enough that you got Roe overturned. Now you're going after medical procedures because you want to make sure there is a viable workforce available in the future. And for those of you in the back, mifepristone is one of the safest drugs used in 53% of medically induced abortions. It is so safe that penicillin is four times more likely to cause bacterial infections than mifepristone. But Christians see the number of white people in this country declining. In fact, by 2050, they won't be the majority in this country, and that scares them. The zombie Jesus is freaking out, and so are his cretins, not to mention that the decline in numbers of Americans who identify or even attend a church, evangelical, Catholic, or otherwise, falls more and more with every passing year. See, here is their problem. Less Christians tithing their money to churches means less followers recruiting more members and less believers voting for Christian nationalists, otherwise known as Republicans. So by 2050, America, the majority of citizens, will be tan mulatto color. They will be less religious and they will not be voting for leaders who do not care about the issues that affect their communities. Hence, that's why white, male, Bible-thumping Republicans like the one from Nebraska is so concerned about making sure every child conceived is born because capitalism. 
And I want you guys to get this point. So we're just going to play this one more time. The quiet part out loud. We have killed 2,000 babies since abortion became legal. Those are 2,000 people in the state of Nebraska that could be working and filling some of those positions and we have vacancies. They're not here. Our state population has not grown except by those foreigners who've moved here or refugees who've been placed here. Why is that? It's because we've killed 200,000 people. These are people we've killed. Notice that the Nebraska senator is not at all concerned that 24% of his state's population is unemployed, nor does he care about writing legislation to make sure that the workers who are working now and are alive now have their rights preserved. Because he and the rest of his religious zealots in the Nebraska State House are focused on forcing births to keep the workforce going rather than making their state the best place to work. For example, Nebraska's minimum wage is just $9 an hour, and the cost of living for a family of four in that state is over $84,000 a year. So if you're making minimum wage in Nebraska, you're only bringing home $17,200, and that's before taxes, so you can't even afford to live. But the Republicans that you vote for want to force more children into birth because the workforce is more important than the quality of any worker's life that's living right now in Nebraska. Which is why Florida, the most flaccid member of the union, has now a six-week abortion ban thanks to Lord Farquaad impersonator and Governor Ron DeShitstein. This walking, talking hair plug has had another one of his closed-door signing parties where he invited Christian force birth activists to witness firsthand the enslavement of every Floridian uterus. With a stroke of a pen this morning, Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Heartbeat Protection Act, which makes abortions in Florida illegal after six weeks. The law contains some exceptions, including to save the woman's life. Abortions for pregnancies involving rape or incest would be allowed until 15 weeks of pregnancy, provided a woman has documentation, such as a restraining order or police report. DeSantis has called the rape and incest provision sensible. Of course he did. And that's why I would like to take a moment to educate a certain demographic of society that spends an average of only about two minutes twice a month directly interacting with a vagina, like the 44-year-old virgin running Florida right now. Guess what? Women get their period once a month, but it's not like clockwork. And that's because it doesn't necessarily happen exactly four weeks from when it previously happened. In fact, it could be about six or eight weeks before a woman thinks, hey, I might be pregnant and takes a plethora of over-the-counter tests in a one-night frenzy and then gets in to see her doctor who confirms her findings just a week or two later. Oh, and I forgot to mention, there is a myriad of reasons why you don't get your period exactly the same time every single month or you may skip some months and that's because stress weight gain weight loss too much exercise not enough exercise did I mention stress so you can understand why this six weeks ban on abortion 
not only is physiologically ignorant, it's logistically impossible for every woman to know that she is pregnant in that little bit amount of time. Not to mention the fact that the bill forces women to show proof to the DeSantis government that they were sexually assaulted or raped, which we all know women carry around in their purses all the time. So, <laughs> no, just because I have a uterus, folks, does not mean that anyone has permission to use it or force me to use it or that I want to use it because it's mine and I can do what I want with it or not use it. For example, at 33, I had my tubes tied after my second child was born and the Catholics running the hospital where I gave birth forced me to get the father of my child's permission before I could get my tubal ligation. They wanted it also in writing. And for context, that was 12 years ago when abortion was still legal in the United States. So to recap, Republicans want to make sure every able-bodied uterus is being used to incubate and give birth to the next generation of workers who will be dependent on whatever minimum wage is in their state because they, of course, were married as children and kids don't understand the gravity of commitment it takes to raise another human being. And rightfully so, because they're probably not done raising themselves. And now for something completely different. In a country where free market capitalism is one of the most misused phrases by Republican politicians so they can make sure their voters keep in line with their donors and their voters can own the lives. Here is another example of they didn't think this all the way through that I would like to introduce to you. And it's called Woke Alert. Woke Alert is a service that sends shoppers text notifications when, quote, companies cave to the woke mob so they know the brands attacking their values. Woke Alert is the latest brainchild of Consumers Research, a nonprofit consumer advocacy organization with a decidedly conservative agenda. Consumers Research is one of several right-wing groups that are feeling emboldened now that Republicans control the House of Representatives. They see themselves as part of a political alliance that can scrutinize and possibly derail the environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, goals of corporations and the Biden administration. Damn, these incels really have nothing better to do than to come up with ways to rally their base's racist tendencies. Just because Budweiser decided to run an ad featuring a trans woman influencer. <laughs> and they also didn't think this all the way through. Because the purpose of Woke Alert is to provide the user with text messages revealing the latest company to go woke. Meaning companies who publicly support basic human rights that all humans should enjoy. But I see this as sort of a one-stop shop for all of us libs who use the conscious shopping agenda when we go out. Because, for instance, signing up for Woke Alert will give you a text message every time a company goes woke. So you know where to shop. I don't know about you, but it's a lot of work researching companies to see what their political affiliations are and these dumbasses at Wokeler just made sure that the companies they want to boycott end up getting flush with cash. Now, Gen Z and Alpha, this is your kind of mission tailor-made for your unique set of skills, so go get them. And speaking of being in the find-out phase, 
Former Ohio State coach who turned a blind eye while his team was molested by their team doctor turned bumbling idiot Congressman Jim Jordan is getting his comeuppance. Roll tape. Escalating battle between Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg and Republican mem members of Congress. Bragg is now suing the Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, accusing Jordan of a transparent campaign to harass and intimidate him. For what Bragg is calling a, quote, unconstitutional attack on his case against former President Donald Trump. Jordan, in his role as the House Judiciary Committee uh, chairman, sent a letter to a couple of Republican colleagues, demanded the DA's office provide communication documents and testimony about Bragg's investigation of Trump. Oh, no. Jimmy, the pedo-adjacent Jordan, thinks his title of head of the House Judiciary Committee means he can impede on an ongoing investigation because his favorite angry orange is on trial and because jimmy's staff hates him so much none of them have explained to the subpoena dodging january 6th participant how the american judicial system works or how the powers of the congressional committees work because jimmy dean seems to be completely unaware that his congressional investigatory powers stem from congress aid of its legislative function or in stupid words Jim can only investigate what he can legislate. And since he can't legislate a sovereign state, choosing to prosecute a person under their own penal code, he's in the find-out phase. This lawsuit seeks to bar Jim and his cronies from continuing to harass Bragg and his office by demanding their entire case against the marginally sentient spray tan be handed over to Congress. And since Jim isn't trying to write any laws based on his judiciary investigation of Bragg's case against the Floridian fraudster, there's no jurisdiction, which means Jim's dancing to an obstructionist beat, which could land him in some criminally hot water. Or at least one can dream. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday, and follow us wherever you can find us on social media. This Week Again can be found to listen to on Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Samsung Podcast, or anywhere else that we've been uploaded. And I thank you so much for taking the time to listen tonight and to do for now.